Chapters sixty one to seventy of Kriloff's Fables. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kevin Davidson. Kriloff's Fables by Ivan Andreevich Kriloff. Selected and translated by C. Fillingham Coxwell, M.D. Chapter sixty one The Swimmer and the Sea. High tossed by seething waves upon a lonely shore, a swimmer fell exhausted, raving in his slumber, hurled at the billows grim reproaches without number. Be cursed, O deep for evermore! Mad was I ever to adore ocean, first still and subtly charming, next treacherous, deceitful, grievous, harming. The sea arrives in mythologic guise, with human accents, thus replies, Naught than thy view could well be stranger, to cross my waters is ne'er frightful, brings no danger, but when the frothy main is moved to fierceness vast, twere right the blame on Aeolus to cast. Enraged he grants me never quiet, if thou believest me not, test for thyself his riot i'm motionless as earth when storms are past o send thy ships abroad when winds no longer last fine counsel i must say and nothing's newer yet sail without a wind we've need of something truer chapter sixty two three peasants three peasants in a village for the night they had in petersburg as drivers stored up treasure though toiling hard yet tasted pleasure now homeward travelling rejoiced in thoughts of leisure but as no peasant loves to sleep with stomach light they hesitate then ask their host to give them supper oh how luxurious the fare there was some cabbage soup not much of it to share and a loaf's lower part the host had used the upper twas always more in petersburg but why complain to lie down hungry causes pain. At once devoutly crossed himself each peasant, grew busied with the present. However, one of them, of notions free, quickly perceiving there was not enough for three, without for further cheer applying, remarked, upon a blithe and ready wit relying, My lads, concerning Thomas, have you heard the news? Ill luck for him, conscribed, to go he can't refuse. Conscribed? How? What? Just so, a Chinese war's the rumor. China must pay us tribute, help the tea consumer. The other two began to argue and decide. They sometimes read a journal, talked about it, but as they had not seen one, now knew well without it who should command the tactics to be tried, the clever fellows, warming well in conversation, discussed reports and many a nation, whereat our friend with joy was overpowered, for while they showed how highly they were mettled and moves of armies settled, he, lifting not his voice, the bread and soup devoured. On that which he's idly swelling, a foolish man, descants more readily than all, what will occur in countries large or small he is disposed to bawl? You will see, while other things enthrall, is burnt before his eyes his dwelling. 
Chapter 63 The Swan, the Pike, and the Crayfish When among partners concord there is not, successful issues scarce are got, and the result is loss, disaster, and repining. A crayfish, swan, and pike combining, resolve to draw a cart and freight. In harness soon their efforts ne'er abate. However much they work, the load to stir refuses. It seems to be perverse, with self-will vast endowed. The swan makes upward for a cloud, the crayfish falls behind, the pike the river uses. To judge of each one's merit lies beyond my will. I know the cart remains there still. CHAPTER sixty four THE WOLF AND THE STORK The world's aware that wolves are greedy, a wolf once scorning bones to swallow was over-speedy. But for his fault, he by misfortune dire atones, nigh meets a sudden end from choking. He struggles hard, can scarcely draw his breath, in horror sees impending death. A stork arrives, and her, with wild invoking, he somehow brings at last his hapless plight to know. Into the horrid throat below the bird her beak sets deeply, extracts the bone, but aiding not her patient cheaply, she for her skill cannot reward forego. You joke, snapped out the monster dryly. Your trouble? Be more grateful. Value highly that twas to you vouchsafed to draw your awkward beak and dismal countenance from jaws in no way weak. Don't linger, friend. Tis time for action. In future have a care, or I'll have satisfaction. Chapter 65 The Oracle a certain heathen shrine possessed a wooden god, wanted at times to give assurances prophetic or counsel clear and energetic. A figure wonderful yet odd, with gold and silver ornamented, it stood with finery contented and sacrifices hung, with supplications cloaked and clouds of incense choked. All trust the oracle, and blindly, until, O oh marvel and O oh shame, its sudden issues edicts tame, responding often senselessly, unkindly. When now a supplicant for helpful news applies, he gets but folly, ignorance, or lies. And as the oracle thus blunders, it surely comes about that everybody wonders. Men have averred the idol's hollow and whene'er it speaks is heard the voice of someone hidden, and so, filled by a being astute, the god can wisdom show, but ne'er a fool within should go, he'll nonsense talk, should be forbidden. Tis said, is't true, there were of old within the court such judges, as well advised by poor but clever drudges, a wisdom that seemed native could unfold. CHAPTER Sixty Six, THE SLANDERER AND THE SNAKE The view that devils are defective in niceties of justice calls for a corrective. For instance, as to right, they pass through moods reflective, concerning which I something strange can tell. Once on a time it came to pass in hell that to a snake to march in solemn rites it fell, 
behind a slanderer with rivalry deep-rooted the pair disputed to whom belonged the honor of the chief advance always in hell ill deeds the status much enhance arch fiends precede such is the ordinance now in this contest keen hot enmity was nourished the slanderer his wicked tongue before the viper flung while fiercely in return the snake his body flourished and hissing that he would not suffer disrespect strove to supplant by methods indirect the slanderer well nigh had lost the best position so help of great beelzebub obtained who from the hideous serpent gained submission fast drove the crawling reptile back saying i no way will your character attack yet first you cannot go your deeds are not as black tis true your bite is swiftly mortal thus you are dangerous when near but ere your venom's in the very portal of your fell jaws while far abroad men trembling fear those slanders which so deeply sear that neither waves nor lofty cliffs confer resistance safe distance as this man's words can cause the strong to quake you'll follow after him nor strive to overtake in hell the slanderer's more honored than the snake chapter sixty seven the ape however hard you toil fame will from you recoil bring you nor gratitude nor leisure unless you offer others gain or use or pleasure a peasant drove his plough at dawn with might and main unceasing labored nobly employed his time and brawn great beads of moisture closely neighbored unto his manly brow were drawn many a friend in turn approaches wishing good day and length of life and then upon the scene encroaches a little ape in whom this jealous hope is rife to push a log thus to fruition assist a worthy effort of ambition with will and curious noises shrill choosing a sapling on the hill the ape it here and there embraces now hither drags it thither places eager some purpose to fulfil a while she pants then waits scarce breathing but hears no meed of praise no smiles her face are wreathing small wonder poor and senseless thing you strove with honest wish but did not profit bring chapter sixty eight the sack an ante-room's dark end attend an empty sack here lying for footmen coarse and low a humble thing to wipe their boots on lowly was supplying but oh our sack to honor flying being with glorious ducats filled lay in a chest with all resentful feelings stilled the master likes his bag to cherish himself must guard the treasure well upon it never fell the softest breath of wind nor any fly could perish now all the town could sing its praises of the thing a visitor for the proprietor arriving will soon about it pleasant discourse be contriving and if the sack shall stay exposed the eyes of each have soon his love for it disclosed so who by lucky chance sits nigh it assuredly will smooth or pat as if to try it 
now learning that it's one from all such high respect the sack with pride grows heated wiseacre like conceited must open conversations mightiness affect have views on many a topic trounces one as a fool or fit for school and nearly everything denounces all greedy listen to it though it nonsense talks oh never inattention balks its flow resistless let conversation turn on mighty gold and people pause their breath then hold never by any chance seem bored or listless long did the sack enjoy such honor dwell select always did folks caress it so long as in it ducats lingered men would bless it last empty it was ousted met with sheer neglect we hope we have not many by mischance offended how numberless the sacks among financiers lacks who once perhaps as waiters at some inn attended they now make sharp attacks as gamblers to acquire the money of another would ever riches win even defraud a brother with such a crew to-day are counts and princes both not loath to be on terms in fine homes stately within whose ante-room these money-bags till lately ne'er dared to stand they now play whist my friends who once could scarce exist and now as millionaires exhibit yourselves proudly should come misfortune's outlook black i tell the simple truth and loudly the day you fall they'll drive you forth just like the sack chapter sixty nine the boy and the snake it chanced a boy who thought to catch an eel snatched at a serpent soon perceived his error and blanched beneath excess of terror the snake imagining what dread the child must feel said slowly listen if you do not grow up wiser your boldness may not save from peril always spare god will forgive to-day but he continues ere a fool's chastiser chapter seventy the peasant in trouble one night a cunning thief brought on a peasant cruel grief crossing the yard the storerooms entered examining the walls the ceilings and the floors the rogue relentlessly explores keeps every thought in profit grossly centered this peasant who lay down in wealth alas awoke without a single penny destined a tramp to beg from many may none of us so lose in property and health ere long poor fellow deeply dejected he visits kin and trusty friends to gain through sympathy amends can you not help me ask he ruin now impends then quickly by his tale affected they freely offer counsel wise says gossip cart light of my eyes you should not to our faces happiness have boasted alluded to your means and kliemich adds dear soul my favor to you leans in future have the storerooms near the cottage posted brothers such prattle me astounds tis foca now must reason to blame the storeroom sight is treason my dove keep in the yard some lively hounds except from me this puppy he is clever 
Joushka's his mother, and in sorrow I would never even upon her frown, much less her litter drown. Briefly from comrades old, and blood relations kindly, words of a thousand sorts jostle each other blindly, folk to him list, but no way by their deeds the wretched man assist. End of section 7 Recording by Kevin Davidson www.blogordie.com